0: to all that are here this morning at First Church for our services, and we welcome all the visitors and the radio listeners today as we start into our winter season, apparently. A few announcements this morning before we get started with worship. Uh, Today, following worship, our annual meeting to elect officers, hear reports from the pastor, trustees, treasurer, and committees to approve the proposed 2020 budget and radio contract. The annual report for 2019 and the pastor's booklets are available at the doors and at the info center. If you did not get one on the way, your deacons will have them available at the start of the meeting today. Uh, there's no Sunday school or confirmation today. <clears throat> there is child care available in the ministry center during the meeting. Uh, there will be a short break between the church service and the meeting so uh, people can get their ch- children there. Confirmation students, you're required to stay today for the meeting. There is no uh, Sunday school or confirmation today, and um, the announcement in the bulletin pertaining to the Pilgaroo Cemetery Association meeting, uh, please ignore that. That was yesterday, will not be today. Uh, one other thing is we want to wish uh, Kay good travel to uh, Florida. She leaves today for a couple months, so we just hope that that goes well for her. So. Uh, If we could, I would like to ask everyone to stand for the call to worship. Call to worship this morning is taken from the book of Psalm, chapter 33, verses 1 through 9, and verses 20 through 22. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make music to him on this ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made; their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. We wait and the the Lord. He
1: is our help and our
0: shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for he is our holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Now we will continue to stand and sing our praise song, How Great is Our God. <laughs> invite all the children to come forward for children's chat. While they're doing that, let's greet our neighbors.
2: Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. Good. Is there anybody else coming down from the balcony? Yep. Here come the hoagie kids. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, we don't have Sunday school today, which is kind of sad. I miss Sunday school when we don't have Sunday school, but... Never fear, we're going to have our own little review session from last week right now. Who remembers? What did we talk about last week during Sunday school? Hmm. Two words. You weren't here. Can't. Oh, you weren't here either? So you're, you're. Okay. Two words. One starts with H. One starts with S. Holy Spirit Holy Spirit Right we talked about the Holy Spirit didn't we We did we talked about how the Holy Spirit came down Now can we see the Holy Spirit yeah. No we can't see the Holy Spirit which makes it kind of hard to understand doesn't it Yeah everybody see my marble Whoa. We
1: have marbles lately.
2: We have a lot of marbles I know we love marbles at preschool too don't we Yes look Look at my marble What's it doing? Yeah. What's making it move? I have a thingy on the back, otherwise known as a magnet. Yeah. Look at that. Isn't that cool? Yeah, look at that. Well, this marble and the magnet is kind of like the Holy Spirit, right? Because the magnet is guiding... The metal ball on the top and we can't see the magnet but it's still moving right it is, cool. it is cool but the holy spirit we can't see it but it guides us too okay the power that comes from the holy spirit is like the power of that magnet and jesus knew that he was going to be leaving earth and it was going to be time for him to go up to heaven. And he knew that we still needed somebody, something here on earth to keep us to keep us safe and to make sure we behave and to follow the rules. Okay, so that's the Holy Spirit. How many of you, when you are just out and about, maybe you're on the playground or you're playing with your friends and... Somebody does something and you think, oh, that was really silly. That was really not very good. And you want to laugh at them. But you have this little voice in your head and it's saying, don't laugh. That's not nice. Don't laugh. That's not nice. That could be the Holy Spirit. It, It tells us, not a good idea. Not a good idea. And then we have to decide if we're going to do it or not. Hmm. it's too hard what's too hard to hold your laugh in to is too hard <laughs> sometimes it is and you know what if it's, if it's something funny and you're laughing with them it's okay but if you're laughing at them then it's not so okay all right so I just think sometimes the Holy Spirit is hard to understand it so I thought maybe this would help us Remember how the Holy Spirit works and how he guides us in our life and in the choices we make and in the things that we do, okay? And sometimes we ask Jesus, we say that Jesus lives in our heart. Well, we have to remember that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are kind of all the same thing. And so it's the Holy Spirit that lives in our heart because Jesus doesn't really fit in our heart, does he? No, but the Holy Spirit does. So the Holy Spirit is in our heart, but the Holy Spirit and Jesus are kind of the same. And so we say that Jesus lives in our heart. All right. So the next time you have that little voice in your mind that's telling you don't do that, you need to listen. That's the Holy Spirit, right? All right. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for these children and their desire to learn. to to want to follow you and to be like you. Be with us this week. Let us go out and be your hands and feet and share you with everyone we meet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Killed in Afghanistan. Private First Class Miguel Villilan, 21, from Joliet, Illinois, and Staff Sergeant Ian P. McLaughlin, 29, from Newport News, Virginia. Lost in our service in Arkansas, Master Sergeant Nathan Goodman, 36, from Chicago, Illinois. In Spagderland Air Force Base, Germany, Airman First Class Xavier Leaphart, 20, from Lithonia, Georgia. Airman First Class Aziz Whitehurst, 20, from Sierra Vista, Arizona.
3: Thank you, Jay. Let's take a moment and pray together now. Father God, we thank you so much that we have the privilege to gather together as your people, and worship you this morning. Thank you for those that uh, are helping, Lord, lead us in that endeavor this morning. Thank you for all that they have done and and planned and prepared so that we can worship you with one voice and one mind and one heart this day. We lift up and, and, and also think of other churches in our area and around the world, Lord, that are gathered even now to to fulfill that same purpose, Lord. We thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ and pray that you would... Um, be with them as just as you are with us, that you you would speak to them through through your word and that and that we would remember that we are part of the body of Christ worldwide, Lord, and we and we ask that you'd help us to remember to constantly and continually pray, Lord, for those uh for your people around the world, especially those who are in need, and especially those who, Lord, um, who are under the, the threat of persecution and, and danger. So we ask, Lord, for your protection and that you'd watch over them as well. Lord, we thank you that today that your body here at First Church has the opportunity to gather after the service, uh, for our annual meeting. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of a congregational church where we can gather and, 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 and reflect on the year that, that was in 2019 and also look forward to the year of 2020, Lord, and what you have in store for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the head of this church and that it is, you are the one that we follow. And we pray that by your spirit, you would guide us, uh, Always, but especially this, after, this morning as we gather uh, for the business meeting of our church today. Uh, Lord God, we uh, lift up the many concerns that, are, that we carry with us in our hearts into this place. Thank you, Lord, that, that we know and, and trust and that you tell us that you are a God who, who hears our prayers and that you respond Lord, we, we, we thank you that, that even as we pray, Lord, we know that you are here in this place and that you respond to our prayers, Lord, according to your will. Lord, help us as we pray to not, not pray selfishly, but Lord, pray that your will would be done. Pray not for what we want, but Lord, what, what you desire in our lives, which ultimately is what is best for us. And Lord, help us to have the faith and the trust and the belief in that, and that promise and that uh, especially the promise, Lord, that You are always with us and You will never leave nor forsake Your people. And Lord, it is in that hope and in that promise that we uh, it is in that that we trust and in and we place our hope. And we so we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts." As we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. In Revelation four, it says this picture of the throne room in heaven. It says the four living creatures, each of them with six wings full of eyes all around and within day and night. They never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. And the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Let's stand and, and sing our next praise song together, if you're able. Uh, we fall down. Jesus And you may be seated. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for the opportunity to to give back to you now, uh, Lord. This is a part of our worship here this morning, um, giving back to you for the to further the work of your kingdom. Here in this place, we thank you specifically for the radio ministry this morning. That that we have an opportunity through this uh, through this ministry, Lord, um, to preach your word and, and declare your gospel, Lord, um, not just within the walls of this church, but to all those who are able to listen on the radio. So we thank you for that opportunity and pray that that it, it, that the ministry in itself will be a blessing to all those who hear, and that these funds now, Lord, that we give, uh, would would go to further your kingdom in that way. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Right, those are all all those who are helping at the offering to come forward at this time.
2: While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed.
3: You may be seated. Lord God, we come before you again this morning and open up your word together. I pray that as we do so, that you would give us uh, eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord, what you have in store for us this morning. Uh, May you give me words to speak and may you open up our hearts to what you have to say to us today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Today, we're going to be continuing our uh, conversation about what it means to truly rest in the Lord, what it means to, to experience Sabbath as God intended for it to be. Uh, the first Sunday in January, we, we looked at how Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, that, that he gave us the Sabbath not to rule over us, not to be a burden, but in fact to be a blessing, uh, to be a time in the midst of our crazy schedules to truly find rest in him, physical, mental, and spiritual rest. And, and then last week we developed that a little bit further. We talked about how God calls us to rest in order to remember, in order to remember who he is and what he's done for us. That as we pause during our day, during our week, and reflect on on God's goodness and his faithfulness, that that helps us to to grow in our relationship with Him and be more grounded and rooted in our relationship in our in our faith in our relationship with Him. And so today we're gonna take that next step and and continue to discuss the Sabbath and what it means for us. And we're gonna talk about what it means to rest in order to resist. Now, what I'm talking about here is to resist the world's expectations on us, the, the, the expectations to always be busy, always be plugged in, always be working and and on, and that God's invitation of Sabbath is a time for us to hit that pause button, to not live according to the world's standards or the world's expectations, but to live in a rhythm of rest and work and, and what that means for us. And so I want to set the stage here, this... This passage that, that Tracy just read for you seems like, um, you know, taking a look at it, it looks like we're going to be talking about miracles and healing. And, and that's part of this conversation today, but that's mainly to set the stage for what I really want to talk about. And that's that last verse in that section. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. But it's important for us to set the stage to see how we get to that point. See, this is early in Jesus' ministry. The first several chapters of Luke are dedicated to Jesus' birth and, and, and um, all the narrative and the stories that surround that. And then in Luke chapter 4, we get Jesus as an adult entering ministry and, and going into the synagogue and preaching for the first time. In, Luke, in the first part of Luke 5, we see him calling his first disciples. So this is early, early on in Jesus' ministry, his earthly ministry. And it didn 't take long for news to spread about him. We see uh, Jesus entering one of the towns and, and and encountering a person with leprosy, and as he does often in his ministry, Jesus heals him, cleanses him for and, and, and it 's an amazing moment. Imagine being there and, and witnessing this miracle. Leprosy was one of the uh, one of the diseases that was most obvious for someone to to be affected with because it affected their skin it, it affected the way the way they looked it affected how they uh, could interact with people, and most people that had leprosy were considered outcasts. They were shunned. They were not even allowed to participate in regular, normal society because of fear of how contagious they were and how that disease would spread. So the fact that Jesus intera- not only interacted with him but but then healed him was a big deal. And so you can imagine how news like that would just spread like wildfire, that people would would hear about who this miracle worker is and that they'd want a part of it too. And so, and so huge crowds began to gather around him. Sick people from all over the place showed up and they wanted to be healed. Not just here, but all throughout the gospels. We see this over and over again. Jesus with a crowd of people surrounding him. At one point later on in his ministry, he fed five, it says that he fed five thousand men, and that's not even counting the women and children who were there as well. Right? Thousands of people gathering to hear what Jesus had to say and to experience his miracles and his healing, right? That's, that's every preacher's dream, right? To, to be able to go somewhere and just have crowds gather around them to hear what they have to say. You know, if Jesus were here today and he invoked the same sort of response, you know, what would we expect of him, right? We'd expect him to keep up with the demand, to meet the expectations of the crowd, to set up shop somewhere so people can find him easier, Perhaps in a big important city where he could expand his outreach and his exposure. We'd expect him to write books and create podcasts and even build a megachurch so that more and more people and perhaps even thousands and perhaps more would hear his message. Right? We tell him that there'd be, there's work that needs to be done and he's the only one that can do it. But what does Jesus do instead? Jesus doesn't give in to the demands of the people around him. Instead, he withdraws to lonely places so that he can pray. He takes a break. He hits the pause button. He does not give in to the demands of the crowd, and instead he recognizes the importance of stopping and resting. It doesn't mean he gave up his ministry altogether, right? We know that he returned to the work of the Father, right? He, he continued to preach. He continued to heal. He continued to minister, Right? It wasn't wasn't that he quit his job one day and just went off on his own. Jesus took a break. He paused, and then he went back to that ministry. That's what Sabbath is about. It's about establishing a rhythm for our lives, a rhythm for rest, so that we don't constantly have to live up to the expectations and the demands of the world around us. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, Paul tells us this: "Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And so do not conform, right? do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will right? Paul urges us to follow Jesus' example, right? Not not conform to the patterns of this world, not to give in to the demands and expectations around us, but to allow ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, right? And how does that happen? By, by offering our bodies, offering our lives as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to the Lord. In a way, that's what Sabbath rest is about. It's about offering ourselves as a sacrifice. It's about giving up the 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 need to meet all of the expectations around us, and pause in order to rest in the Lord. And so there's a there's a few things here that I want us to highlight here um, this morning that we can we can take from Jesus' example and apply to our own life. And the first is is something I've already alluded to, is that we must find rhythm instead of busyness. We're way too busy, aren't we? Too busy in general. Too many demands are placed on us by work, by family, even by ourselves, right? There's always something for us to do. And I believe as a culture, we tend to worship busyness, right? That sounds kind of crazy, but I think it's true. We worship the fact that we are busy all of the time. It, it brings us some sort of satisfaction and pleasure to, to always have something to do. As much as we may complain about it sometimes, right, we feel awkward when we have a free night or free day to spend and rest. We wear our schedule, we wear our full schedules like a badge of honor, right? And, and even when we do have those times to rest, even when we do find that free day or that free hour, uh, I know speaking for myself, I get a sense of anxiety, right? About what to do. I should be doing something. Allie and I just, you know, I don't know how many times we've had a conversation just about stuff around the house, right? We're, you know, it's a Saturday afternoon and we sit down for a moment and we think, man, there's so much we could be doing right now, right? How many of you have said that? It's, it's an epidemic, right? We, we, we always feel like we have to be busy, or, or if we're not, that we're somehow, um, uh, we're somehow missing the point. Jesus one time, later in the Gospel of Luke, uh, was traveling around and he visited the home of his friends Mary and Martha. In Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, it says this, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. right? How many of us are Martha, right? We constantly make ourselves busy and busy to the point that we, we miss the fact that the Lord of the universe, our, our savior has, wants to spend time with us, right? Wants to, to sit down and, 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 and share a word with us to, to invest in that relationship. We keep ourselves so busy that we, that we not only miss the point ourselves, but we wonder why everybody else isn't as busy as we are, right? But the invitation of Jesus is to rest. Like, Mary to pause in the midst of our craziness and rest in the Lord. I think sometimes we have a, we have a fear of missing out, right? We don't want to stop because of the fear that we'll miss something good, right? Whether that's, whether that's a promotion or a raise at work, whether that's something exciting um, on you know, social media or, or our, with our friends or family. All right, we fear that we're going to miss something good. But my question for us today is, what if the good thing we're missing out on is not the busyness of our lives, but it's the rest? The thing that we are truly needing and the thing that we often misunderstand is, is the importance of rest in our lives. See, Jesus had a lot of demands that were placed on him during his ministry. There were days when he could just sit there and heal people from dusk—excuse me, from dawn until dusk and still not have enough time in the day. There's one story where Jesus is trying to get to someone's house in order to heal his daughter, and he's having such a hard time just giving him from point A to point B because there's literally a crowd of people around him that are just pressing in on him. His disciples are having to shoulder their way through the crowd in order to make room for Jesus, and... At one point it says that a woman who had, been, who had been sick for a long time reaches out and touches the, the hem of Jesus' robe and, and, and she's instantly healed. And Jesus pauses for a moment and says, all right, who touched me? All right, Jesus' the disciples look at him and think he's crazy. Like, come on, there's literally a crowd pressing in on you. But Jesus recognized in that moment that this woman had touched him and that, and that her faith had healed her. All right, Jesus was constantly surrounded by by crowds of people who were demanding his time and his attention. And again, how did Jesus respond to all of this? He withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. He took a time out. He stepped back from that busyness and all those expectations and demands that other people placed on him and instead spent time resting in his relationship with the Father. And this wasn't just one occasion either. Multiple times throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus going off on his own to pray. The most memorable probably, of course, is is when Jesus spent time in the garden of Gethsemane, right? The night he was betrayed, he had just shared his last supper with his disciples, told them to remember his body and his blood, which was about to be broken and shed for them. He knew that Judas was going to show up any moment with a crowd to arrest him. And how did Jesus spend that time? He spent it in prayer. He spent it with his father on his own in the garden. Those times that Jesus spent on his own were not just add-ons. They weren't extra things that he just happened to have time for. It wasn't things that he could just happen to fit in his busy schedule. I believe they they were a critical component of his ministry. Jesus' public ministry, his healings, his miracles, his teachings were all dependent on those times of rest and prayer. Let me tell you this, right? If Jesus, the Son of God incarnate, God in the flesh who came to save us, needed to take time out and rest in order to be effective in His ministry in the rest of His life, how much more do we need to take that time in order to be effective in the rest of other areas of our life, in order to be truly dependent on God? I'll tell you, I need it. And I don't always follow my own advice, but we all, we sure need that time to, that time out in order to rest And spend it with the Lord. Martin Luther, the famous reformer, who was very keen on the importance of work and and, uh, you know this whole idea of the Protestant work ethic, right, came out of the Protestant Reformation and and throughout history. But uh, Martin Luther once said, Work, work from morning until late at night. In fact, I have so much to do that I have to spend the first three hours in prayer. How many of you have said that before? Right? I have so much to do. I have so much on my schedule. There's so many meetings I have to do, so much work that needs to be done that I need to spend the first three hours of the day in prayer. I need to get up extra early in order to spend time with God. Right? That seems backwards, doesn't it? But Martin Luther recognized the importance of work and how that, or excuse me, the importance of prayer and how that affected every other area of his life. And so Jesus here gives us a model of what the rhythm of rest looks like. And it's found in that, in that verse from Luke chapter 5, uh, verse 16. Uh, first of all, we see that Jesus often withdrew. And so the key there is we must often withdraw ourselves. How often do we pause and truly rest in Christ? I dare say it's not often enough. In, uh, in his book, The TechWise Family, that Pastor Tori let me borrow, uh, she was reading this and, and was telling me all about it, and I knew there was something in there for us uh, during the sermon series. Uh, the author Andy Crouch talks about how important it is for us to set a rhythm for our lives, and he recommends one hour a day, one day a week, and one week a year where we can truly rest and unplug and find that Sabbath that we need. You know, I think there's something to that, whether you keep to a rigid schedule like that or find something that works in your own life, but being intentional and finding a rhythm where we can step away and rest is important. Let me ask you, does God deserve our first fruits or our leftovers? All too often, God gets our second best when he deserves our first. We give him a a moment or two of a minute or two of prayer at the end of our day because that's all the time that we have left for him but doesn't God deserve our first and our best? You know, so we need to be intentional and spend time with him often. Notice here that Jesus withdrew often, but he also went to lonely places. He went alone to meet with the Lord, with, with his Father. Jesus knew the importance of that time alone with God. You know, as much as I, I, I uh, emphasize and I talk about the importance of spending time with other believers in Christ on Sunday mornings and in small group Bible studies, I do think that is so important to our, our walk with the Lord. Spending time alone with Him is just as important as well. In Matthew 6, when Jesus is teaching His disciples about prayer, He tells them that we should that we should go in our in our closets, we should go off alone and pray to our Father in secret right there's this emphasis not just on on public prayer right there's a prayer that uh we should be praying together right but there's also this emphasis on on this one on one time that we can have with God in fact, in first kings chapter nineteen, the prophet Elijah has one of those moments after his his uh confrontation with the prophets of Baal on mount carmel he he's He's depressed, he's, he's anxious, he's worried for his own life, and he runs off into the wilderness. And God shows him uh, the mountain of the Lord and, and invites him to come out and meet him there. It's in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11-13. through 13. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, and the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Then Elijah heard it. He pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I love this story because so often we expect God to speak to us in big moments, right? Earthquakes, fires, winds. We expect him to show up in this way. And so we look for him only in those things. But yet so often God wants to meet us with that still small voice, that gentle whisper. And the problem with that is if we're not listening for it, we're going to miss it. If we're not intentionally setting that time to to listen for the voice of God, then we're going to miss that whisper and miss what God wants to say to us and and, and what he uh, wants to show us and, and invest in us during that time. So we must withdraw often, we must withdraw alone at times, and then we also must do so in prayer. Jesus withdrew to lonely places in order to pray. Prayer like Sabbath is an exercise in dependence and trust. It's our response to what God has already said to us in his word. Right? Prayer is meant to be a, a two-way conversation. God speaks to us through his word, and then we respond to that in prayer. Right? And 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 prayer has a way of Uh, helping us to combat the anxiety and the stress of everyday life, of of helping us to handle all of those expectations that the world places on us. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul tells us, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right, Prayer has a way of, of uh, bringing our, our focus back on God where it should be. But prayer is also not the only thing that we can do when we spend time with the Lord. Prayer is just one of several spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices that, that I think God wants us to, to participate in as we spend time alone with him. Others include things like Bible reading, journaling, as I mentioned last week. Even things like fasting and worshiping God, right? We, we can sing praises to God in, the, in, in our own car or in our own home, right? We don't have to do it here as a church. We can worship God on our own as well. And these spiritual practices help us establish a rhythm to life and dependence on God through our relationship with Him. And so we see Jesus gives us this, this uh, model of how we can uh, find rhythm in the rhythm for rest in the midst of the busyness of life. But there's more here too I want us to to catch here. Uh, Jesus also tells us that our identity is in him, it's in our relationship with God, rather than our work itself. The world tells us that you are what you produce. right? We live in a what have you done for me lately kind of world. Our value is often determined by our job, our success, or how much money we have in the bank account. Right? What's one of the first things we ask someone when we are introduced to them for the first time, right? What's your name and what do you do? Right? We define ourselves, we define others in relationship with their jobs or 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 what they do for a living. Right, those things are linked in our minds. Maybe maybe what you do isn't so much a job title, maybe it's the thing you do is taking care of your kids or your spouse or your aging parents. But well, we often define ourselves too often define ourselves by what we do, or what we do what we do for ourselves, or what we do for others. Many people in the crowd saw Jesus that way as well. One once word spread that Jesus helped the leper. Crowds gathered so they could be healed too. Right? They weren't necessarily there for Jesus. They were there for his blessing, for his healing, for his miracles. And once Jesus began to uh, emphasize the harder points of the gospel, it didn't take long for people to then turn away. We see that in John chapter 60, or excuse me, John chapter 6, beginning of verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What, then what if... You see the son of man ascend to where he was before. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Yet they are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning, which of them did not believe and which would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the father has enabled them. And so from that time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want us to leave too, do you? Or excuse me, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter, Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, once, once the teaching got more difficult, things, um, people began to turn away from Jesus. But Peter recognized something important, right? Jesus alone has the words of eternal life. He truly is the Son of God. And so and so therefore, we can't find our identity in, in the things that we do and the things that we perform for other people, but we must find our identity in Christ. And the Bible teaches us over and over again some very important realities. To find our identity not in the work that we can do for ourselves, but in the work that Christ has done for us on the cross. It's in First John chapter 1 John 1. Chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. You are a child of God, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. That Christ died for you even when you didn't deserve it, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And that nothing can take away that truth. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We see that in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. You see, when we rest in Christ, when we pause in a world that says we must always keep going, that we say that our identity is not in what we produce, but who we are in Christ. And the last thing I want to share with you this morning is the importance of, of, being, of, of taking time to disconnect from the world instead of being connected 24-7. This comes out of Jesus's, again, that rhythm he established of, of taking time away from the, the demands of others. But I want to take that and apply that a little bit more to our modern setting here as well. Technology itself is everywhere, right? And we are expected to be connected all the time. Before the advent of the digital age, email and particularly smartphones, people didn't expect you to be available all the time. Right? A letter would take a couple of days to arrive at its destination. You might not be home or in the office to take a phone call. And so you weren't expected to be available 24-7. But now people can, and therefore you are expected to, to respond practically instantaneously, right? Whether it's email or text message or even phone calls, you can now find, people can find you wherever you go, right? How many of us are connected, right, with a phone in our pocket all the time that is constantly on and constantly beeping and buzzing at us? Technology, for better or worse, is shaping our lives more today than ever before, all right, technology like money, is, it's a neutral thing. I'm not saying technology is evil or bad, but it can certainly impact our lives in negative ways if we allow it to do so. Again, in this TechWise family book, there's an interesting, there's a survey that was done about, about parents and their children. Uh, par- this is uh, uh, the statement, parents believe raising kids today is more complicated than it ever was when they were kids. of parents responded and said they strongly agree that that is the case. And then when pressed further and asked why it's so much more difficult today, the number one answer that they gave, 65% of parents responded that it's more difficult because of technology and social media, right? Technology is complicating our lives. It's certainly brought certain blessings to our lives, but it's complicating it in ways that we did not even perceive before. So we're in a world that is constantly connected. Sabbath is an invitation; it's an opportunity for us to unplug and plug into what's really important. Psalm 46:10 invites us to be still and know that I, not I, now that the Lord is God. Right? That's an interesting. It's an interesting psalm because there's there's all this talk about about mountains crashing into the sea, about wars raging, and in the midst of all that, in the midst of the chaos that this world can often fall into. The invitation from the Lord is to be still and know that he is God. Right? And and we aren't very good at being still. Even when we try, a, a million things float through our minds and distract us. But we need to be intentional, try to try to disconnect and plug into God instead. You know, even when we're taking time to be alone and pray or read our Bible, sometimes things come to our minds and distract us and and one way we can Uh, try to help through that situation is to keep a pad of paper nearby, right? As, As those distractions come to mind, as those things keep piling up in our mind of what we need to do, just jot them down. You can always get to them later. But jot them down, forget about them, and keep on plugging into God. But we also, we need to plug into God, but we also need to learn to plug into other real relationships as well. When I was a youth pastor, I don't know how many times I caught teenagers in the youth room during youth group sitting there texting on their phones, right? And why I asked them who they were texting or what they were doing that was so important when they could be talking to their friend next to them, they said, I am. They were literally texting the person sitting next to them on the couch, right? Instead of having a real-life conversation, they were doing it through text messages. We do that. We continue to do that today. Sabbath is an opportunity for us to unplug and, and, and foster those real relationships that are so important in our lives. Spend time with family and friends in a distraction-free environment. Right. Have a real face to face conversation, meet a friend for coffee, go for a walk, but do something that invests in those relationships. One thing that we as a a family have started to do recently, and, and yes, there's a little bit of technology involved, but it is a way for us to spend time as a family on Sunday nights. After dinner, we we get all ready for bed. The kids get in their pajamas. We make popcorn on the stove. And then we sit down and watch America's Funniest Home Videos together. It is like the, been a family tradition for us for a little while now. It's something Allie and her family did growing up. But it's just amazing to just spend time together laughing and talking. And, and just that, that intentional time spent together as a family has really been a blessing to us, um, these last few months as we've intended, as we've made that a part of our Sunday evening routine. But it's important for us, right? Remember, Sabbath is meant to be a blessing. It's, it's supposed to equip us to love God and to love others. And so the best way that we can do that is to pause, to break away from the demands of this world, and to invest in those relationships. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much that your word in, informs us, it invites us, Lord, to, to pause from the expectations, to resist the expectations of the world around us, and to invest in our relationship with you and with others. Help us to do that, Lord, in a busy world that constantly demands our attention. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, invite us now as we close to stand and sing. I bl- Are there marked verses? No marked verses. So let's sing, uh, let's sing uh, the first verse of Take My Life and Let It Be, number 379 in our blue hymnals. the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all amen just a reminder for for those of you who are uh, members of first church our annual meeting is about to begin we 're going to take about a five minute break um, the reason for that is to to give you an opportunity if you have children you want to bring them over uh, next door for child care um, also if you did not get a chance to grab uh, some of the, the two packets that are available um, they are at the doors as well as the info center so We'll resume again in about five minutes. Thank you all so much for being here today.